Hi everyone, welcome to the Reitzel Brothers Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Curtis. We are the co-hosts of this podcast. We are investor-focused realtors working with our clients to help them build massive wealth in real estate. This is a place where we talk about real estate investing, wealth, and giving back. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and join our private real estate investor group on Facebook called the Tri-City Real Estate Investor Club. Links are in the description. Enjoy this episode. What's going on, you guys? All right, so we are going to be posting Jeff Reitzel's Millionaire Real Estate Investor Workshop in parts and releasing it over the next few episodes here. And then we're going to post the full investor workshop that he did. We thought might as well. We have posted content like this similar in the past, but we thought, hey, you know, he drops so many nuggets of wisdom and just so many amazing points in the workshop, some stories and how he built his wealth and how he got a new philanthropy and donating uh, and and life and everything in between. We cover a lot. So we thought might as well post all these episodes onto the podcast and we're going to do it very quickly over the each day and then we're going to post the full the full podcast episode. So either way, I'm going to stop talking because uh, I want I want you to get into the Jeff content here, but I really trust you enjoy it. Have a great day and uh, all the best. Bye. Where should you invest? In my opinion, you should always invest in areas where you live and that you understand, no matter how good the deals might look in another city. So let's say you're, you wanna go look at um, Teeswater. That's okay, but get to know and understand Teeswater and what Teeswater makes it tick before you go invest in Teeswater. So maybe six years ago you said, I wanna invest in Houston. Texas. It's the middle of a desert. It's a, it's a desert. It's really nice. People like to live there. And then it floods. And you go, oh, they built the city in a dry lake basin. I didn't realize they did that. Well, no, you didn't because you live in Kitchener. That's why you didn't realize it. You just saw good opportunities on MLS that cash flow. So do you think you had flood insurance? You live in the desert. You didn't have flood insurance. So you lost all of your rental properties to a flood because you didn't know that the city was built in a dry lake. Why would, it, why would they build a city in like, You just don't know it because you're not there. So if you want to invest in Houston, that could be a great place to invest looking forward. Go to Houston. Know and, and, and understand the market rather than just blindly investing in Fort Myers, Florida because you heard somebody invest in Fort, or somebody that you know invest in Fort Myers, Florida. But I find it, it's always best if you can find something where you are because you can go to it, you can touch it. It's there, you can see it. Yeah. I had a lady here a few months ago that said she was investing in Portland and she owned 13 properties in Portland. And these properties were all like $70,000 and she put $20,000 down on all of them. So I phoned a real estate lawyer that I knew in Portland. She didn't own any properties. She just thought she did. It was a giant Ponzi scheme. So all of her money was gone. She didn't own any at, at all. She just trusted that what was happening over there was actually happening and it wasn't. And she was getting legal documents, but they were all fraudulent. There was, yeah, and that can happen. She didn't, she'd never been to Portland. She had never seen the city. She had never seen the property. She'd never met these, these investor guys that she was working with. Real estate is a most stable investment. It's accessible. Anyone can buy it. It increases in value over time. It can, it doesn't for sure, but it, it definitely can. And history says that it does. You can buy on margin and borrow against equity. It's rentable. It, it's improvable. 
It's deductible. There are a lot of great tax benefits for real estate investors. It's stable. For the most part, it's very stable. It's slow to rise and slow to fall, and it's livable. So my investment journey, I had started, uh, I, actually, I was at, on Uplands Drive yesterday in a house, and it backs onto St. Paul's School, where I went to grade school. And I, I said to the homeowner, I was at the house, I said, I remember looking up at these houses, and I go, what do you got to do to own one of these? Because they're really big, they're really big houses. And they're really impressive. And I lived in a, a semi-detached house and was very happy. Didn't want for anything. But I went, why do some people live in houses that look like castles? Like, what, what, what is it? And it just got me intrigued to, to figure out what these people do and how, and how do they do it. So I started reading books on investing at a very young age, probably 10 or 11. And I got my first real job at Wendy's. I called that a real job. I was doing penny saver and stuff before that. And then I started investing my money. So I was, I was earning roughly $850 a month, and I was investing 800 of it. And I did a graph and thought, if, my in, if the investments went up 10 to 12% a year, because that's what all the books said in the stock market goes up every year, every year, consistently, I would have $11,000 at the end of my first year, realize that this would take forever in order to obtain any wealth, because I'm 14, I'm 14 years old right now. So I was going to be uh, 40 years before I'd have nine and a half million. Well, the number obviously blew me away. I thought you could, have, you could buy the entire planet for nine and a half million. So I wasn't concerned about the amount of money. What I was concerned with was the 30 or 40 years that it was gonna take me to get there. Because those were my grandparents at the time. So I thought, well, I don't wanna be almost dead. That's what I thought at the time. <laughs> like 12 years from there now, but at the time I thought, these people are almost dead. Well, why would you want money when you're almost dead? So how could I accelerate that and get somewhere quicker? So one of the concepts I learned about was leverage. If I took out a $130,000 loan and the payments on that loan were $800 a month, at the end of the same 40-year period, I'd have $13.5 million rather than $9.5 million. And the reason was that I had $130 invested from day one. So if the markets went up 10% the first year, my investments would grow to $143,000. And then that compounding over time would give me an extra $4 million. So that was very exciting. There's, there's no question. I went, wow, this is, this is brilliant. I didn't come up with it, but it's brilliant. But I still had to make that $800 payment every month. Is, I, and I remember, I, I remember asking myself this question, is there an investment like that where somebody else will make the payment? I remember that thought continually coming in my head. Can someone else make this payment for me? Like, is there a way for me to earn enough even from the investment to make the payment? How can I do it where I don't, want to, where I don't make that payment? And I stumbled across real estate in one of these books that I read. I'm like, wow, I can buy a piece of property and a complete stranger will make the payment every month. That's crazy. I went, it's kind of, it's too good to be true. Yeah, and I know there's times where they don't pay and you got fixed. Like, I, I get all that stuff. But I went, for the most part, they just want a nice place to live, a nice person to deal with, and a fair rent. And if you can meet that, that's really all you need to meet. And they will pay for your property for you. And if the property value goes up, I was going to say they don't want any of it. They might. They're not going to get any of it. And if they pay the mortgage down, they also don't get any of it. You get to keep it all. That's pretty crazy. You know, and like now I think I'm the smartest person in the world. I didn't come up with it, but I'm the smartest person in the world. And it, remember, I'm, I'm young. I'm 14 or 15 years old. So I can't. Limiting factor, I guess, because I just said I can't. That house I was at on Uplands, the 14-year-old said to me, how can I get into three properties before my 16th birthday? 
the 12 year old looked at me and said, I'd like to start a REIT. And I went, what? <laughs> it's a real estate investment trust. I'm like, you want to start a REIT? <laughs> You're 12 years old. So I guess just, I wasn't thinking big enough at that age. I thought it was impossible to buy a house at, at 14. Well, it isn't if you have parents that can help you. Like that kid's going to be able to buy a house. But when the 12 year old wants to start a REIT and the 14 year old wants to know how you can buy two houses before he's 16. But I didn't think it was possible. And I think if I would approach my parents with that at 16, they would have said that I was crazy. Are you still here? Would you yeah, have said it crazy? I would have said that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So then I looked at the math on it, and, and these numbers aren't the numbers from back then, but to make it a little more real today. Let's say you bought a, a condo for $400,000 and you put 20% down, and you have a mortgage of $320,000, and the rent is $1,800, and all the expenses are $1,900. Well, most of us would look at that and go, that makes no sense losing $100 a month. That's how most people would approach that. That's how most investment planners would look at that. And I'm not telling you to go out there and look for properties that are losing money. But I would buy that property all day long. Like w without question. If I could get into a prop if I could get into a property that's losing $100 a month in a single family situation, I would say give me as many of those as I qualify for. Because here's how I I approached it and still do. Let's assume the value of the property goes up 2.5% a year. I think over time, that's a pretty conservative average. A lot of stuff you're going to read will say 4 to 6%. Well, at the end of the first year, the value of my property is now 410000 not 400000 I lost $1,200 in monthly cash flow. I gained $10,000 in price appreciation, and the mortgage was paid down by 4000 So I had $14,000 in gains, $1,200 in monthly losses on paper. My net worth grew by $13,000 on a property that's losing money. So I would look at that and go, can, how can I do 10 of those and 20 of those and 50 of those? <laughs> that's just how my brain would, would look at that. Whereas most, many people would look at it and go, it's losing $100 a month. Now, if the $100 loss means that you can't buy groceries, you would never do that. That wouldn't make any, you would wait until you found something that, that, that didn't lose money. But I'm also giving you, you permission to do something like this if it makes sense to you. Because the advisors that you're talking to might say, don't do that, it's losing $100 a month. And that's probably good advice that they're doing it. I just look at it differently. And you might be two or three years from now going, man, I wish I would have done something. Like I, I know it was losing 100, but I wish I would have done something because now the property value is up 10,000 or 20,000 or whatever. So what if, yeah, actually I'm gonna go to this one first and then go back. If that property right now is renting for $1,800 a month, here's what can happen over time. If the rent increases at 1.5% per year, which I think is pretty safe to say it will over time, your rent 10 years from now is $2,100 a month, or if it increased at 3.5% annually, it's $2,500 a month. Yet your fixed expenses, they would have marginally gone up because property taxes and everything goes up. But you see over time, you're probably not losing money anymore. I, I bought 10 townhouses in a particular area in 2000, at the end of 2007, beginning of 2008. All of them were losing 50 to $100 a month. They're not anymore. Ten, uh, to almost 12 years later, they're not. Because rents have gone up every year, and I'm in a very good position on those properties now. And that's because time happened. 